Well, good evening. Good to see everybody. If you have your Bibles, we're in the book of Exodus together. And <clears throat> Merry Christmas to you all. We're in Exodus chapter 17. And it's uh, good to see you. Remember, next Wednesday night, we do not have um, Bible study. We don't have any church activities uh, going on there so close to Christmas. So uh, my prayer is for your family that you'll have a great Christmas and you'll have a happy new year. Then we'll be back at it the next Wednesday night. And of course, uh, also on uh, Christmas Eve, we have our uh, we have our Lord's Supper candlelight service at 5 o'clock. Is it 5 o'clock? 5 o'clock. Uh, well, we come to a very... We're going to look at only seven verses tonight. There's a lot to be said here tonight for where we are. We're in the Exodus. We're moving along with Israel as God has delivered them from Egypt. As Paul reminds us, these... Um, these stories are for us examples of, uh, for us who believe upon whom the end of the age has come. So we have to pay attention to these truths and lessons because they teach us important principles for living uh, our Christian life. Remember, it's a historic story, but there are spiritual principles for us. So remember, we read the history. Don't take the history away and make it into something of a uh, mystical, spiritual thing without the history. No, this is the real history of the deliverance of the nation of Israel. And because God delivered Israel in this way, the promise of the seed coming through David would, would, <laughs> would be uh, experienced. And lo and behold, we come to Christmas. And because Israel was delivered, the Lord Jesus Christ was born. So this is history from God's perspective. It is salvation history for us. Well, we should read these verses and then we go back. I will mention to you again, notice the, the pattern that we have uh, from chapter to chapter. It is then, 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 then. There is this pattern that we've seen before. I mentioned it to you. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 15, Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang. Uh, chapter 16, Then they set out from Elam. Uh, then... We come to chapter 17. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me, and why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and they grumbled against Moses and said, Why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do to this people? A little more, and they will stone me. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand your staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so, in the sight of the elders of Israel. 
He named the place Masa Meribah because of the quarrel of Israel and because they tested the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. So the focal truth tonight, if you have the outline, is this, that God provided water from a rock for Israel. And I should have added, and I neglected to add this phrase, God provided water from a rock for Israel in the place of testing and quarrels. Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? Or I'll read verse 3. Why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Let me read it again. It's, it's stunning to me to read these words. Though the many years I have read the Exodus and know these words, just like I'm looking around, you know them. These are stunning words. Is the Lord among us or not? Can you imagine this coming out of the mouths? Let's go back. Wait a minute. Hold on. I think as old as I am, I can still remember last week. There was a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. Is the Lord among us or not? Wait a minute. There's this flaky lovely, wonderful food falling out of the sky every day. Is the Lord among us or not? Hold on. They've had quail. They've had meat and they've had all of it. It's every day. The provision, is the Lord among us or not? What happened at Passover? Is the Lord among us or not? What happened when they stood and, and looked and saw the dead bodies of the Egyptians on the seashore? Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? We, we go back just a few pages. They worship God and then they head out following God, following God the way He chooses to lead them, and they come to that place where the water was bitter. The wood, the tree is thrown into the water. It's sweetened. Is the Lord among us or not? Uh, this is an astounding... They have Sabbath. Is the Lord among us or not? Have you ever said, Is God with me or not? I have. I have been in those places in my life where I said, Where's God? Where is God when I need Him? as if it all depended on me, as if I was the center of things, as if I was the priority of all of the world, and that I have my demands on God. Is the Lord among us or not? This is what the children of Israel are talking about in the midst of all the blessedness that God has given them. It's an amazing thing that the church of Jesus Christ at times when the church is not strong says, is the Lord among us or not? In the same way. When we have been saved by the grace of God and delivered, when we have been born again, and we say to God, why have you brought us... Can you imagine this? Why have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us? 
And everywhere along the way, God continues to keep them alive. This is too close to home. There's the application. We can go home now, but no, don't go home. We have more to talk about. But this is, the, this is what you must hear. Here are the words at Rephidim. Here are the words at Rephidim. Where God had led them. God led them to Rephidim. It wasn't a randomness out in the wilderness. God is leading His people and at Rephidim they say in the presence of God to the leaders God has given them. Is the Lord among us or not? Well, I've driven this home to you to start with because this is what must echo in your ear when you come to 17, this section. Now, these seven verses are just filled with important principles for us. So, what is, the, what is the story of it? Well, if you have the outline, Israel, first of all, journeys from the wilderness of sin to barren Rephidim. It got worse. Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do, we say to Him. We sing the song, and I mean this sincerely, with tears in our eyes, with sincerity in our heart. Wherever He leads, I'll go. Wherever He leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loved me so. Wherever He leads, I go. And the Lord starts leading us, and we say, well, wait, oh, wait a minute, I didn't think it was going to be like this. You mean this is where you're leading me? You mean this is what you're showing me to do? You mean this is what you want me to do? Well, I, I don't know if I quite thought it was going to be that way. So they journeyed, and I want you to look at the languages. Again, I've said this to you before. What I love about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, we'll, we'll dip into Leviticus and Numbers. This group on Wednesday nights deserves Leviticus and Numbers. You do. You deserve it. You can take that however you want. The detail, the detail of these five first these first five books, the Pentateuch, the words of Moses, the detail demonstrates his authorship. Th these, these details only come from someone who was there. You, you can't retell this story without being there. Then, so so we go back up. Uh, 1635. The sons of Israel ate the manna forty years. Again, let me remind you, is the Lord among us? The manna just came that day at Rephidim. They just got their manna. Nobody went down to the grocery store and picked it up. They were, they were blessed by God's presence. And by the way, this, you know, the rabbis talk about this cloud. Think about the beauty of this cloud. This cloud, as many of the rabbis talk about, and of course this is tradition, was a cloud that not just stood in a pillar, it was a cloud of covering from the heat. Aren't you glad of that in the wilderness? It gets hot out there. Have you ever looked at pictures of Sinai? Not a lot of places to cover you. There's a cloud covering them. There's manna falling from the sky. So then all the congregation of the sons of Israel, remember this was two million people in estimates. That's a lot of people to move. Roy's a project manager. There's a lot of logistics in two million people moving around. I mean, Roy, that's a lot. You've got to take care of a lot of things to get it done. So then all the congregation of the sons of Israel, notice, please, now notice the language, journeyed by stages 
from the wilderness of sin according to the command of the Lord. They journeyed by stages according to the command of the Lord. This is important for us. What does Romans 8 tell us, my brothers and sisters? For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. What is the mark of being a Christian? You follow the Holy Spirit. That's what I love about the book of Acts. There's a real change in the book of Acts. You notice it starts saying, and the Holy Spirit said to the church. You notice that? The Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit says things to First Baptist Church. Dixon, does First Baptist Church listen to the Holy Spirit? So we journey together. I'm, some have joined us new. Some of us have been here since older than dirt. I'm not going to point to anybody around here. But, but here we are on the journey. And now for this part of the journey, we're in this together. Walking with God to fulfill our purposes in this part of the world. In order to advance the gospel. This is really our priority. To advance, not to be a club. Not to just enjoy good fellowship with people that you know we, we enjoy being around. To advance the gospel, to obey the Lord Jesus and do what He's called us to do with all of our heart and follow the Holy Spirit. They journeyed. I, I even went out and I thought, well, what does the word journey mean in our language? Well, duh, in the dictionary it is traveling from place to place. So all of you have been on your faith journey walking with God just like me. But I want you to see it. It's stages. And you can go, I, I don't know how much you do this, but this is a very important principle for your spiritual growth. You must take times in your life, and around the holidays would be a good time to do this. Just go back and look at where God's brought you from. Do it. I challenge you to do it. You want to you worship? You want to glorify God? You want to get on your knees and praise God? Just go back. Not go back in regret in time. Go back and look at how, since you've been saved, God has brought you step by step, stage by stage, to where you are today. You will glorify God. You will honor God. And I'll tell you what else it will do. It'll give you hope the next time you show up at Rephidim. And you will. God will lead you to Rephidim. And then you will say, God is with us. Not God is not with us. Are you with me? So the journey is important and it was in stages to move these people is important, but it's more than that. It is that at the command of God, they move. At the command of God, they move. This is why, dear brothers and sisters, I, I appeal to you, oh, be sensitive in your heart to the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive. Re get the layers off. Get the calluses away from your heart. Be soft-hearted. Listen and pay attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. He works through our mind, our, our emotions, to help us with the will. And it all is influenced by the Word of God. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God and your reading of it, your study of it, your memorizing of it, your meditating on it, to trigger in you direction for your life. These things must be done. You know, we teach the children to do it as if it's some kind of just... Um, Good thing for them to know. They need to see us practice it. This is the way we live. We go to the Word of God. We seek direction from the Word of God in prayer. And we 
wait for the Holy Spirit to say, Go. Now we go. Now we do what we're to do. So Israel journeyed. So I've spent some time here, but notice it is Rephidim. So according to the command of God, they camped at Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. God brought them to Rephidim, the place of no water. So you go to something and you look and you say, Lord, this is what you this is what you've brought into my life. What am I supposed to do with this? You remember the time when the Lord had all of his disciples and he tested them? Remember the thousands were following the Lord Jesus. Remember he turned to the disciples and said, Well, what do you think we ought to do? Oh, send them home. Send them home. There's nothing to eat out here. They got to go home. And then the Lord says, No, you feed them. Us feed them. You remember that whole dialogue, the disciples? They, again, they were having a Rephidim moment. Have you been having a Rephidim moment? Well, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to trust God in a Rephidim moment because of what He's done for you in the past. So Israel quarrels with Moses in thirst and unbelief. Look at this. Therefore, so because there was no water, therefore... The people quarreled with Moses. Moses, give us water that we may drink. Give us water. This word to quarrel, this Hebrew word for quarrel, we need to really now, this is where your imagination is important when you read, especially when you read the stories of God's Word, engage your imagination. It's important for you to do that. This is not just a, a debate. This is some yelling, screaming. The, the actual, I've given it to you here. The, the, the Hebrew word for quarrel is to cry out loudly or to shout with anger. Well, maybe we just combine it. They were crying and yelling out loud, screaming at the top of their lungs, and shouting with anger. They were really upset. And so Moses is now again confronted. God has led them to Rephidim. Moses has taken them there. And God wants them there with all that's around. Manna falling, the pillar of cloud by day and night, fire by night, light at night, uh, God's presence with them, past provisions that they've had already, glorious, amazing times where God has rescued them and saved them. But now, give us water that we may drink. This is the language of unbelief. This is the language, give me. This is the language of self-centeredness and putting myself first when we pray. Give me. Do you pray that way? Give me. What did the Lord say we are to pray? Give us our daily bread. Give me my daily bread. Give me. Give me. Give me. Give me. Lord, I come to you today. I'm not glorifying you. I'm not honoring you. I just want you to give me. Give me, give me, give me. This is the language of unbelief at Rephidim. They had a real need. I'm not dismissing the fact that they were thirsty, folks. When you get thirsty, it's a serious thing. We know that. I'm not denying that. They had an urgent need that must be met. They needed an absolute miracle. Oh, isn't that interesting? God leads us to the place where only He can do what needs to be done. 
See, I don't know about you, but I don't always like that. You know, I like to kind of bring along my own resources. I mean, after all, God's busy, right? You might be having a long day and I could do some of my own stuff to help. That never works. That never works. Give us water that we may drink. And what does Moses say in response to them? Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you quarrel with me? Why are you shouting and screaming and yelling at me? Why are you quarreling with me? And why do you test the Lord? You see, they knew Moses had done miracles in Egypt. And they knew that Moses carried his staff. And they knew what that staff and even Aaron's staff, both, had done. You remember all those things we read about in Egypt? So they go, notice, not to God, but to the leader. Leader, give us, give us water that we may drink. You have the power. This is it. Putting Moses in place of their trust and dependence on God. Speaking to Moses about their situation and their desperate circumstance. So they, have, they continue to, to complain and so they're thirsting for water and they grumble in verse 3 against Moses and then it leads to this dramatic statement, Why have you brought us up to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So what does Moses do? Verse 4, Moses prays. And it is a very extreme prayer. Moses cried out to the Lord. What shall I do to this people a little more and they will stone me? It was serious. It was a serious time for him. He was in danger. I just would make this observation. What happened at Rephidim? The people of God in unbelief never prayed to God. All they did was complain. At Rephidim, at Rephidim, we don't pray. We don't pray. We don't pray. We, we, we are consumed by our own personal, uh, serious, legitimate needs. And we go to other resources and people. They went to Moses. Moses doesn't have the answer for them. We go to other people, we go to other places, we depend on other things. As a man said to me the other day, well, I do still believe. I was talking to him about the Lord and, and we were in a play. We were talking about COVID and we were talking about all the things. He said, I'm just so thankful that we have technology because technology is going to solve all of our problems. Is it now? Is it? So he bows to the God of technology and medical advancement. I'm not, you know I'm not diminishing the importance of those tools as we need them. But that never replaces trusting God, does it? God is not technology. God is not medical issues. It is the God who is the Savior and provider of all things. They never prayed here. There's no prayer here. There's no prayer. They've rested and they've practiced Sabbath, by the way, before the law. This is interesting. I mentioned this to you last week. Before the giving of the law, God already taught them the importance of what we all are trying to learn here. And I'm, okay, I'm as guilty as anybody in here, but I still have to preach it, so I'm saying it to myself first, but you're going to hear it too. 
Take a break. Take a break. Stop. Stop. Be still. Know that I am God. Six days, one day you take a break. You, spend, you have work and you have rest. You have rest and you have work. It is the rhythm God designed for all of us. And that's why some of us are in a hard place right now. That's why some of us are extremely stressed out. That's why we're unhealthy. We do not practice the rhythm of rest and work. It drives us, doesn't it? So Moses cries out, what do I do? What do I do to this people? What do you want me to do? A little more and they're going to stone me. So God gives him direction. This is what God always does. Aren't you glad that when you pray, genuinely pray, the Lord gives you direction? Here's direction now. Pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Notice not all of them, some. And take in your hand your staff with which you struck the Nile. And here's one of my favorite words in Exodus. Go! Go. Don't sit. Go. And we're going to see the word go several times in Exodus. It's time to go. The Lord says, it's time to go. It's time to go. You have, this is, you have sat at this mountain long enough. It is time to go. What did the Lord say to the disciples and to us? Go. Go. Don't sit. Go. So, he goes before them and then He says to him, what will happen as the Lord always does? And you shall strike the rock at Horeb. By the way, here's just a note to you. Remember Horeb? Let me read it to you. You remember Horeb? Horeb is a very important place. Moses has been to Horeb before. Moses never imagined that now he'd be back with two million people at Horeb again. This is the mountain of God. I'll read it to you. Exodus 3.1, Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Rephidim, the place of no water, is at the base and at the foot of the mountain of God. And the people didn't even know it. Interesting how God works, isn't it? Rocks. There's only rocks here. There's only rocks. These giant, massive rocks all around them. No water anywhere. God commands him to strike the rocks. Please notice, he did not, you know, this is different from Hollywood and this is different from uh, many artists. He did not strike the rock in the presence of all of Israel. He struck the rock in the sight of the elders of Israel. That is a very important matter. What would have happened if Moses would have struck the rock in the sight of all of those people? Well, he becomes like a god. Moses is a servant. He's not a god. That's what we must always remember as God's people and as God's servants. Remember when they were worshiping, trying to worship Paul and Barnabas, and they came, Paul said, get up. We're like you. We're, we're just like you. We're, you know, and any of us who take that self-adulation and take that to ourselves and, are, and we let that feed our ego as if we're somebody. You know, we used to say when I was a kid, it on a stick, you know, it on a stick. Well, you probably never heard that, but now you have. It on a stick. No, I'm, I, you, all of us, we're servants of the Lord. Sent to do what we're supposed to do in the place He sends us. So He strikes the rock 
in the presence of the elders and not even all the elders. Some of the elders see and witness the power of God. I'm just going to ask you. I lived in the Rocky Mountains. I cannot fathom water pouring out of rock. I cannot fathom it. I cannot imagine it. So I've given you the rest of the commentary on this in the Word of God. He led you through the great... This is Moses' sermon, Deuteronomy. Remember I told you, you think I preach long. Moses, Deuteronomy is just one sermon. He never stopped. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of flint. Nehemiah. When Nehemiah and the children of Israel are repenting of their sin and they're repenting of the generations of hard-heartedness and unbelief of Israel, when they're coming back to Israel, this is... This is in Nehemiah when there's great repentance among God's people. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and laid down for them commandments, statutes, and laws through your servant Moses. You provided bread from heaven for their hunger. Please notice the language. I've underlined it. Uh, You brought forth water from a rock for them for their thirst. Uh, Psalm 78, you all know Psalm 78. It's a massive psalm. It is a repeating of the history of Israel and their unbelief. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and He made the waters stand up like a heap. Then He led them with the the cloud by day and all uh, the night with a light of fire. And then notice what I've underscored. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them abundant drink like the ocean depths. There's some water coming out of this rock. He brought forth streams also from the rock and caused waters to run down like the rivers. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to illuminate by night. They asked and He brought quail and satisfied them with bread from heaven. He opened the rock and water flowed out. It ran in the dry places like a river while there yelling and screaming. Moses goes with a few elders, strikes a rock, and all of a sudden water is everywhere. And God, out of His grace and mercy, provides for an unbelieving, quarrelsome, angry people again because He is a God of mercy and grace. Psalm 114, Tremble, O earth, before the Lord, before the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water the flint into a fountain of water. Well, Moses obeyed God, didn't he? He did it. And God provided water in barren Rephidim. And I remind you of this picture because Paul teaches us here. Here's this picture. This is that picture of the Lord Jesus. Uh, The striking of the rock reminds us of the justice of God, the rod of God striking. Uh, He was smitten for our iniquities, Isaiah says. This is a reminder This is a reminder our salvation was provided through the Lord Jesus. Our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. They were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them and the rock was Christ. He provided for them Messiah 
was already providing for Israel before Messiah was born as we're about to celebrate. What a glorious thing that is to think of. And there's so much to talk about around that. And then, this place has a special name. As a result of the striking of the rock and the waters pouring out. Notice it's not called by a name that, that reminds us of the provision of God. The name given by Moses to this place is a lesson in what we don't want to do toward God at Rephidim. He named the place Masameribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel and because they tested the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not? You see, I've put it on your outline. Unbelief says, Is God present to hear and to help me? When I pray, does it really matter? Answer of unbelief. No, it doesn't even matter if I pray. Unbelief says, if your God do something, almost impatiently, as if we're in control, uh, God won't help me, unbelief says. Unbelief says, does God care about me and my situation? You know, I must say as a pastor, I'm not saying this, I'm not complaining, I'm not, I'm not criticizing, I'm just observing. It is interesting how much of my time is spent with people who are worried about themselves, not about glorifying God. I'm just, I mean no disrespect. I do the same thing. Uh, what about me? <laughs> Follow Jesus. That's what is what about me. Follow Jesus. Obey Him. Do what He's called you to do. Unbelief says, can God help me in my circumstances and need? Give us water. Give us. Give us. Give us. So what do we remember about this tonight, my friends? This is uh, worth our thought, and I hope you'll continue to meditate and think about it. I can't. I'm trying to do the best I can, but there are several things I want you to think about. Believers follow the Lord from place to place. And He's always present with us and He always provides for us. What did our Lord say to us just before He ascended to heaven? I am with you always. So I have to remember this. I am with you always in the sickbed. I am with you always when the job falls apart. I'm with you always when you get the best day and best promotion you've ever had. I'm with you always, you know, the blank. I'm with you always when your children are going through devastating times. I'm with you always when there's, again, the world is in a mess flying around. I'm with you always. The early church understood the reality of the Lord Jesus' presence by the Holy Spirit and they gladly were willing to sacrifice themselves even in martyrdom. They happily went to the lions in Rome. Now people go over there and look at that. They look at that. Unbelief is the sin of testing God. I do want to mention to you the, the matter of this, uh, this issue of testing. It's interesting that Moses uses this word test uh, you know, the, the King James would use the word tempt, but the word test is interesting. You see, uh, humans, uh, when we have needs, it creates a dependence on God. But as I've said here under number five, God tests our faith. We don't test God's grace and mercy. 
So they were testing the patience of God. They were testing the grace of God. They were testing the mercy of God. They were testing the promises of God. They were testing God out of arrogance and self-centeredness as if everything was about them rather than and they're at the foot of the mountain of God. They're at the foot of the mountain of God. You must remember where He has led them now. By stages they now come to this wilderness place and God provides great things for His people in the place of... That's what God does. God does His greatest work where there's nothing. That's what He does. Uh, Spencer was talking about last week. Uh, oh, prayer warrior. Uh, I've lost my mind here. Anyway, Hudson Taylor. No, not Hudson Taylor. Uh, anyway, one of God's saints who was so, so wonderful in his prayer life. And maybe it'll come to me in a minute. He had an orphanage in England. What's that? George Mueller. Thank you. I had a. I have Medicare now, so I'm I'm entitled to this. It just it happens. So, in the days ahead, if it happens, you can all come up and say thank you, Pastor Mike. We'll give you a teleprompter, and you can do your little thing and talk to it, so you can put your words together. But anyway, so George Mueller, they have nothing to true true in his record of his biography. He has the orphanage. He believes he wants to take care of these children, and you should read George George Mueller's biography. It's quite amazing. He said, well, children, we have nothing to eat today, but we will pray. And they prayed. A milk truck wagon in those days, was the wheels came off right in front of the house. The bread truck had another issue. This happened over and over. Mueller says, I have no money to pay for these orphans. A man came to the door and wrote, gave him enough funds for an entire year for all of the children. So God um, tests our faith at Rephidim and He gives His greatest blessings to us at the place where there is no water. And water's pretty important. We're getting down to the main things there. And God's mercy... You know, I'm so glad for the mercy of God, aren't you? I, I love uh, Hebrews. Let us approach the throne of grace uh, so that we might help, help find help. Yeah, we might find help in time of need, but we also find mercy at the throne of grace. God's mercy. God's mercy is shown even when we act like Israel at Rephidim and we question God. And we don't believe God. I just have to ask you, have you ever sat at your house, you weren't praying, but you were at Rephidim, and you, did, you just said, God doesn't know what He's doing, either that or God doesn't care, or God has left me. Well, may the Lord teach us this, and I ask you tonight, are you living in the desperate place of need? Are you without water? Is that where you are? Are you dried up spiritually? Are you without refreshment from the Lord? The Lord Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be like waters that just bubble up, like a fountain that never stops. Are you experiencing the refreshing power of the Holy Spirit? I appeal to you like I say to myself, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit.
your friends. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And are you trusting God? I can say I'm trusting God, but am I living like I'm trusting God? You see, you pray when there's no water. You don't complain when there's no water. I hope you're not testing God tonight. I hope you're not testing His patience. I hope you're not testing His grace. I hope you're not challenging and questioning His promises that He would not come through and do what He says regardless of what you've been through. And for some of you, you're just like me. You've walked with God for a long time. Shame on me when I don't remember all the ways up until this very second God has provided, saved, rescued, blessed, and helped me. Remember, God provides all that we need through Jesus Christ our Lord. Aren't you glad of that? The cross is the best provision of all. And we celebrate that. And of course, as we come now to this time of the year, we just celebrate the most... Uh, water out of a rock is quite amazing, but God becoming a man? There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. And He is our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Heavenly Father... So, we're journeying along. I pray that You would help us as individuals and as a church to do the right thing at Rephidim when it comes. When You lead us there, may we remember this story and may we say, as we've said already, God is with us. Not God has left us. To the glory of Jesus Christ, how I pray for each of my brothers and sisters who are here, all of those who will listen to this, who are many down through the days, and I'm glad they hear us. We pray that You'd bless them all and their families. May we seek to honor and glorify the Lord Jesus in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.